already already made it here to May. We are moving quickly through the timeline. I hope you guys are prepared. The news that I'm about to give you guys, boy, we better be strapped in. We better be tapped into these strategies, these plans for helping us survive and thrive during these times because they are here to absolutely wipe us out. Everything that I'm about to show you is going to lead you down a path of uh, fear if you're not prepared and if you don't have a strategy. What I want to bring to you guys is the truth, but I also want to back it up with the strategies that we are executing on on a daily basis so that we can make it through. We're going to take advantage of this great wealth transfer, and I want you guys to win as well. Let's get right into it. Thank you for joining, and uh, thank you for helping me spread this message far and wide. Okay, let's run it up. Okay, so I wanted to start this one off quickly here, talking about $10 for a small package of strawberries. Now, why would that matter? We're here to talk about cryptocurrencies. We want the news. But I'm here to tell you guys that you ain't going to be able to feed yourselves. Not only one, you're going to need to up your game. You're going to need to get up your cash flow right now because inflation is going to wipe you out. But the second part of this is we're, we're actually starting to see shortages as well in our food supply as well. The food processing plants already under attack. Accidents happened. I'll let you guys figure out what happened at those food processing plants over the last couple years. Now, we already had a supply chain crisis. Now we have the inflation crisis. This is going to absolutely squeeze the middle class of America and the poor of the middle class here in America and across the world, actually. This is worldwide. But right here, I got a picture of $10 for a package of strawberries. So for the 08 crisis, I titled this video, Worse Than 2008. In 2008, we did not see $10 packages of strawberries. And this is just one stupid example, but I want to hit it home for you guys. Last month in our Discord, we just did two prepping calls, talking about the prepping, uh, the basics of storing food. Okay, and then we went into more deep in-depth on the second one, surviving a grid-down situation. But part of that too is we're talking about not only stocking up on food, but we're also taking care of growing our gardens, getting a little bit of vegetables going, even out here on the patio, you know, you don't need much space, but you better have a plan because even if you got some, you got some paper, right? The supply chain crisis is hitting as well. So we're battling two different issues here. Bad supply chain crisis. You can't even get good quality food anymore. Whatever they put on the shelves is usually junk and, and terrible quality. Then they've reduced the quantity or the size that you're getting. And then we have inflation that's taking the prices to the moon. Let's continue on. We got, we got massive, massive inflation hitting the cities, particularly hard here in America. This is an article from Zero Hedge. Okay, and they're talking about US cities with the hottest inflation may cause pain for the Democrats. Now, I do believe that the Democrats are going to get wrecked in this coming uh, midterm election. And that's not left, right. That's just looking at how the chips are lined up. Okay, that's just using common sense and seeing here that in Democrat-run cities, the program's not working out too hot for you, is it? Right? Uh, in in Democrat-run states, it's not working out too well. And we can just take a look at the numbers. That's not even a political statement. If we look here, Arizona, actually, uh, the Phoenix area having the highest level inf of inflation. And that's going to be from a couple different factors. But one thing is going to be Californians leaving, ditching communist California, moving into Phoenix in the Mesa area, and they're running up the prices there. But other cities that we saw as well was Atlanta, Miami, Baltimore, all reaching 10% on the CPI data. So the overall CPI data, which is a BS number from the government, is 8.5% across the country. 
But you're seeing here in these certain particular cities, big cities across America, you already are at 10%. And you need to just double that. Because if they tracked inflation how they used to, you just double basically the numbers that they're working with right now. And so the cities in particular are feeling the squeeze. The cities are, are I, I mean, I went to Omaha this last week. Relatively clean city. I noticed that the cities in the Midwest are actually pretty clean. The cities on the West Coast are dumps, literally. And across America here, the cities are feeling the squeeze. I want you guys to think about strategic relocation right now, uh, specifically if you are living in the cities of America. I like to relate it to the purge because you take a walk down uh, the streets of Chicago. You, you take a walk down the, the streets of any major city in this country, and it is the purge. Just go watch that movie, and it'll give you a glimpse of what's going on in the cities right now. Now, this is from Wall Street Silver. The next collapse is going to be worse than the events of 2008. Just my opinion. What do you think? I agree. That's what we titled this video. Worse than 2008. If we take a look at the numbers here, margin debt in the billions. We had a 20% crash in the S&P 500 back in 2018. We were at 550 for, uh, so, sorry, 650 for the margin debt before that crash came in. Then we had the March 2020 crash. It took all of the margin debt down to about just under 500 billion. We have now reached over 900 billion in margin debt. So that is levered up debt. That is people using leverage, right, for their trading. That's just not just crypto, that's your stocks, that's everything. Margin debt is at an all-time high. This is going to end bad. This is going to end bad. As we enter this bear market and people are levered up, they're, they're betting uh, using 100x leverage on cryptocurrency. The stock market isn't nearly as bad. In real estate, these people have borrowed against their home. They've maxed out, taken all of their equity out, right? So they better keep that job and they better hope that the prices stay inflated right? Otherwise, they're not going to be able to cover service their debt. Let's continue on. Justin, $305 million has been liquidated from the cryptocurrency market in the past 12 hours. This came out from yesterday. So this is talking about the dip that occurred on that new moon partial, uh, what was that partial solar eclipse that we had um, yesterday. So Here's the thing, guys. I, we came into this this moment. We, we knew that we have back-to-back -back eclipses coming up. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know how this thing's going to go. It's going to go up or down, but it's going to make a serious move. Because we know that with these back-to-back -back eclipses, these events, they usually bring in an incredible amount of energy, just like they did in November, December, when we topped out in November, and then we had the 40% liquidation event in December. This time around, something similar happened. The new moon of December... 2021 was when we had a 40% liquidation event. This new moon here of April 30th, well, brought in a, a pretty substantial liquidation event as well. 305 million liquidated in just the past 12 hours. Now, this is a little bit old, but you guys get the point. Okay. So I want you guys to consider how much risk you have on right now. That's in regards to your crypto bags. Uh, how much trading are you doing? How much of your cryptocurrency bag is uh, poop coins, meme coins, NFTs with no utility? How much uh, is it invested into staking protocols that are now cutting the rates in half like we just saw out of crypto.com? See, everyone was on the crypto, the crow.com bandwagon. And I said, okay, I'm looking at this thing and all I see is that they're good at marketing. 
That's all they're good at. There's no utility. Okay, now you can stake a little bit. They got the Kronos network. You got a little bit of staking. You got a little something going on. And now, right, when times get tough, they've now cut that rewards half in half, and they've set a limit on how much you can earn on your, your crow. So when I look at these projects and I see that they don't have any utility, but they have a staking program, that doesn't get me excited and why I've been saying, take your money and run. I don't really have to you know, change up my strategy right now considering the market conditions because all I hold really is the cryptocurrencies that actually have utility that at any given moment, the switch could be flipped here and we could be in a whole new financial system. I'll be positioned perfectly. You know, I'm, I'm willing to hold these bags down 50 to 70%. On the rest of these bags, I've been saying take your money and run because I didn't think that these DeFi protocols would last. I called all of these other ones Ponzi schemes that wouldn't last, Time Wonderland. Um, I can't even remember all the, the rest of these. Just ridiculous. 80,000% APY, 8,000% APY. And everybody was gambling. And I said, that's fine. You got your meme coin bag. You got your NFTs. You, you flip poop coins. That's cool. Take your money and run because this party's coming to an end. And, and we're starting to see it here. This Another one from Wall Street Silver. Anyone claiming we are avoiding a recession or that there will be a soft landing is crazy. Disposable incomes falling at a record pace. This is one of the most alarming pieces of news or charts that I've taken a look at. Disposable income falling at a record pace. And I want you guys to take a look at this chart. I'm going to pull up this chart for you guys. Uh, I want you guys to be able to take a look at this because this is ugly. This is ugly, guys. If you look back to the 08, uh, 2008 uh, recession there, right? Disposable incomes were falling at basically 0%. Um, for a brief moment in time, they went negative, where disposable incomes were negative. Even during the dot-com bubble when that burst, they didn't go negative. Right now, we are negative about 11 or 12% year-over-year change in disposable incomes. We've dropped below 10%. This is... One of the worst records I, I think that we've seen in history. I think you'd probably have to go back to even maybe the 70s or 80s. I don't even know if they tracked this back then. But you can see going back all the way to the early 90s, we never go negative. We did for, for just a couple years there, um, all during Obama's terms. And then uh, just now, just here now, we've, we've dipped down to negative about 11 or 12%, it looks like disposable incomes. So the people are out of cash. The people cannot afford to to play with their money anymore. And and so this is time to go risk off. Okay, the the people that had money to invest into meme coins, the people that had money to invest into cryptocurrency stocks, the Robinhood traders, the meme coin traders, the NFT flippers, the trash flippers. The party's over. I mean the party's over. They're broke. They're broke. The average person right now is broke. Disposable income's falling at a record pace. It's just shocking. But let's get into the cryptocurrency news. See, see, this is the TikTok morons. Let's talk crypto, bro, not politics. What, what did I say that was political? What did I say that was political? That the rates were negative during Obama's term? I'm not blaming Obama. I've been blaming the Federal Reserve for the past decade, Right? It isn't political. Nothing here is political. I don't have time for politics. 
We, we need to be getting something done right here. We need to get to the truth. Um, and, and a matter of fact, politics, they've sold us out on both sides. That's all that needs to be said on politics. They, they've sold us out on both sides. The average American citizen, the middle class, is dead. That's not a political statement. But let's get into the cryptocurrency. We're not allowed to talk about politics. It offends the TikTok snowflakes. Okay, let's go. Bitcoin Magazine. You know I love me some Bitcoin nonsense. Jamie Dimon says, Sending money to another country with digital currency takes seconds, not weeks. Is somebody going to tell him about XRP? Because I know he ain't talking about Bitcoin. See, see, Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin Maxis, I don't know what they're smoking. Okay, but they're on something incredible. They are on some fuego, as the kids say. Wall Street quietly embracing Bitcoin. No, they are not. <laughs> you guys are delusional. And this is the same thing that Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin Maxi outlets always do. A country makes cryptocurrency legal tender. What do they put out? Panama makes Bitcoin legal. No, they didn't just make Bitcoin legal. They made all the other cryptos legal too, right? Jamie Dimon saying that with digital currency, we can send money to another country in seconds, not weeks. Gee, what have we been talking about here, right? He is not, he is not referring to Bitcoin. He is not referring to the Lightning Network, right? So, um, you know, this is good to see, right? Wall Street is admitting now that crypto is, is the way, crypto is the thing. But what's about to happen is regulations are about to come in and absolutely wipe this space out. Not only do we have the overall macro situation, the overall macroeconomic situation is horrendous. Cryptocurrency is a risk on asset, so it's going to be even bled out even more. Okay, so, so I mean, it's going to get brutal just because Jamie Dimon and the Wall Street, I mean, Jim Cramer just said that Ethereum could go up 40%. If that's not a sign to sell your Ethereum to short Ethereum, then you haven't been tracking Jim Cramer's calls over the last little bit here because he was the one who called Netflix at a great buy before it dropped 50% just recently. Okay, so when these guys go bullish, when these guys get get uh, hyped up on cryptocurrency, get hyped up on something, usually that means that they've already made their position and they're exiting, right? So I want you guys to be careful right now. Even though we know the overall situation is um, looking good, the future is looking good for cryptocurrency. We know it is the future. We know that XRP solves the cross-border payments, XLM, other cryptocurrencies actually solve problems in the trillions of dollars and that Wall Street is, is already trying to get caught up to speed. They're already trying to implement their own programs. Even though we, we see that, the light at the end of the tunnel, guys, the next little bit here is going to be a rough ride. This tweet from PRX I thought was very fitting. Compared to the Bitcoin maxis, let's, let's compare and contrast the Bitcoin maxis spewing their nonsense and what we've been building over here with the actual utility cryptos. This tweet here, the more confident you are, the quieter you become. Confident people aren't attention seekers. Their mere presence is loud as thunderstorm for the world to hear and see. The insecure ones are the loudest, drawing the most attention to themselves. Confidence whispers, insecurity roars. And, and I just think that this is so fitting when we look at the rest of the cryptocurrency space. Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these fools who were shilling BS. 
right? They were the loudest. They were the ones that were making hype videos because they were getting checks cut to them every single week. It's a new project, right? And after they push that project on you, what, what happens every single time? It drops 70 to 90%. You get caught holding the bag as they liquidate all of the VCs that paid these little shills, these little kids on TikTok, these YouTube shills, these Twitter kids, this whole, this whole space has been built up as they've dumped on us, right? The insecure ones are the loudest, drawing the most attention to themselves. Confidence whispers, insecurity roars. Right, let's continue on here. This is a legendary thread from Wrath of Kahneman, right? So, so what is Ripple's liquidity hub and what does it tell us about the future of Ripple? Oh, and XRP that too, but it's at the end. So while the rest of the space is playing around, the rest of the space is a joke in Vitalik's own words. We have Ripple building and launching the liquidity hub this year, just one of many, many, many pieces of utility that Ripple has implemented over the last year. In the middle of this SEC lawsuit, what is liquidity hub? Liquidity Hub, it's a crypto market, market aggregator, a one-stop shop for enterprises to source crypto. RippleNet's Burla compares it to Kayak or Google Flights, websites that pull available flights to get the best deal, instead of tickets, crypto. Why not use an over-the-counter desk or exchange? It's risky to only have a single supplier. Will there be enough liquidity? Will they charge a premium as the only source? Would you trust your ETF supply to Coinbase or Binance in a run? So what this does is this spreads out the ability to get liquidity from many sources. And the demand is global, spanning many different regulations. Remember what a pain KYC AML was signing up for your first exchange? Imagine signing up with 50 exchanges across multiple borders, multiple assets, and billions of dollars. So this allows you to just tap in in one place. It's, it's, the, it's the bank for the enterprises, for the banks and financial institutions. Instead of having to deal with all these other fools, no, you get Brad showing up at, at, at the boardroom. You get to sit down with Brad, with the other professionals at Ripple who aren't wearing unicorn t-shirts like Vitalik and actually are getting deals done solving trillion-dollar problems. And it's a one-stop shop. Ripple's liquidity hub eliminates all that hassle by gathering the assets from multiple sources and presenting them in a unified interface. Not only that, but with the ability to compare the different sources, you can see where to get the best price. It's more comp composable and reliable than just one source. Composable and reliable than just one source. Get 40% of your order from o OTC desk A and the remaining 60% from desk B. Let the computer work out the cheapest options. It solves some custody issues in the future, even staking. Now imagine when the liquidity hub brings you results from DEXs too. Imagine integrated DeFi. All of it automated, aggregated, and neatly vetted for your shopping ease. No pre-funding is required. And remember, pre-funding, we're talking about Nostra Vostra accounts, $30 trillion held up, stalled up in the banking system right now. $30 trillion in pre-funded accounts. Liquidity Hub here eliminates, on-demand liquidity eliminates pre-funding. Ripple will even front you the credit, right? Because they launched a uh, line of credit. 
So all these products, right, is it, just the perfect offering. They are ready to service all of the enterprises, all of the banks and financial institutions with this liquidity hub on-demand liquidity solution. The liquidity hub isn't just a bolt-on service either, just some extra. It is the fruit of running an XRP-focused liquidity hub ODL for some time now. It is tested and proven, and importantly, it indicates how Ripple itself has been evolving. And amidst all of the noise, all of the FUD, all of the nonsense, all of the nice stable coin bro you can't even break a dollar bro have fun staying poor xrp army amidst all of that trillion dollar solutions are being built out these are hundred trillion dollar solutions these are quadrillion dollar solutions being built out for banks and financial institutions over the next decades you see initially ripple signed companies to bilateral agreements Agreements with each place you sent to, point to point. Now we can see the better part of ODL's innovation was creating a one-stop shop to source liquidity. So instead of having to get set up with a bank in one country and another bank in another country, right? This, this just gives you one, one point, one place to get set up. Before you sign to move money to a partner in another country, now you sign because they can offer new partners in other countries too. All behind one interface. This is a great narrative by Joel Katz. And the future, in November, they told us, quote, in the future, every customer will join RippleNet with the same base service and a wallet designed to support both crypto and fiat. One wallet, one interface, one company routing a myriad assets. And this is important framing to understand the recent webpage makeover of Ripple.com too. Now we're greeted by, quote, business impact powered by crypto and three products. Exporter payments on-demand liquidity, crypto liquidity, liquidity hub, and CBDCs, sidechains. That's the trifecta right there. On-demand liquidity for cross-border payments, liquidity hub, which is liquidity for any solution needed by enterprises, banks, or financial institutions, and then sidechains for CBDCs. Come build your CBDC in one day on the XRP ledger. With one Ripple Wallet Enterprise can source anything that can be tokenized. Fiat, crypto, deeds, stocks, and now carbon credits all in one place. That's the quadrillion dollar solution right there. That, that's all of the markets combined. Derivatives, deeds, stocks, carbon credits, everything. Fiat to crypto, cross-border, everything. All the money. This is the all the money meme. This is the quadrillion dollar solutions story right here with one wallet an enterprise can source anything that can be tokenized it's what crypto has talked about forever in a regulated secure and reliable interface for popular use again they've been telling us all along we just lacked context ripple is preparing for a tokenized future an internet of value notice all the liquidity hub press has seemingly mentioned nfts what better way to tokenize value than with NFTs on the XRP ledger? I forgot to mention, right? We just finally, after everyone played around with NFTs, I'm about to show you, I'm about to show you in one of my next clips here, someone paying 16 ETH, like 40, 50 grand to mint two NFTs. How's that program working out for you guys? You guys are bending over for Vitalik in the Ethereum little gang there 
You guys are bending over for them each transaction on the Ethereum network. So now we finally have NFTs coming to the XRP ledger. And this is going to be massive. And Ripple also set up a $250 million creator fund, one of the largest creator funds for NFTs in the whole space. So the evolution of Ripple looks something like this. Start with cross-border payments, on-demand liquidity, liquidity hub, one wallet to rule them all because it can source it all. I love that. It can source it all. And it can get you these assets at the cheapest price because it can source it from all of the different exchanges. All of the different on-ramp and off-ramps. So what about XRP? The liquidity hub doesn't run on XRP, but neither does it power cross-border payments. It just finds crypto. On-demand liquidity requires XRP. Still the cheapest, most robust settlement around and Ripple still holds 45 billion on the books. So with the webpage as a guide, there are three XRP opportunities at Ripple right now. You can source cash via on-demand liquidity that uses XRP. You can source XRP directly from the liquidity hub. And you can build a central bank digital currency based on the XRP ledger. And I should add that you can do it in one day. In the big picture, they have multiple investments in tokenization projects and Ripple X2. In a tokenized future, what will everything be tokenized on? You can do it on the XRP ledger right now or wait a few months to use the new NFT protocol XLS20D. From my understanding, you can already start building on XLS20D now. I think that's already gone live now, but maybe, maybe it's still uh, here to come. But from my understanding, it's already out. Then consider what happens as central bank digital currencies and the like are built on the XRP ledger sidechains. It will always be cheaper and easier to use the XRP ledger between wall gardens when appropriate. So that's the, that's the beauty of this, is you don't have to coerce people. Just like with Ethereum, you don't have to force people to bend over and pay the gas fees. People are going to use the XRP ledger because it's the best solution. Not because they're forced to. Because they're going to want to. Because it's going to save them money. It's going to free up working capital. This is the difference between XRP solution, XRP's use case, and the whole rest of the crypto space. Ripple's liquidity hub is a one-stop shop for enterprise to source digital assets, and it is a milestone for understanding how Ripple is evolving towards a tokenized future in which the XRP ledger can also excel. So that was another legendary thread from Wrath of Kahneman. Huge shout out to him. So XRP Pharaoh putting this one out. If XRP was indeed a security of Ripple, Ripple equity on Link2 would not be selling out instantly. End of discussion. That's a great point. You can buy Ripple stock on Link2 right now, and it sells out instantly every time. Right? It's, it's such a clear case, guys, that XRP is not a security. So, so just understand what's being built at Ripple, what's being built in the XRP Ledger ecosystem, while we have the whole world falling apart, while we have all of the distractions played out, while we have this piece, this, this fun fact. A user spent 16 ETH, $43,000 in gas fees to mint two of the Board 8 Yacht Club Other Deed plots. So I don't even know what the hell that is. Some virtual plots of land in the Board 8 Yacht Club metaverse. 
I don't even know what that is. That's a joke is what that is. How's your program working out? $43,000 to mint two NFTs. How's your program working out? Just like Vitalik said back in 2018, if gas fees, transaction fees went up to a dollar or even $60, crypto and blockchains would be a joke. We shared it just uh, two days ago. Vitalik's own words, if gas fees went up to 60 bucks, crypto and blockchains would be a joke. That's the exact program that they've built out. And I do agree with Vitalik that it is an absolute joke. How's the Solana program working out? Just crashed once again. It's like a once a month thing with Solana. This tweet was pretty funny. At this point, Solana should start posting business hours. It's, it's the same story. Check out this next article. Yuga's apology reads as if they feel they did nothing wrong and Ethereum is to blame for the mess tonight. Meanwhile, they had a poorly optimized contract to the point of negligence, allowed two mints per wallet amongst 40,000 KYC wallets that had pre-approved APE for mint, knew that a great deal more KYC wallets could possibly acquire APE to mint, it is possible that they purposefully leaned into this disaster in order to cite it as their reason for building out a new chain with ApeCoin at the center. So this is in regards to this, this land, this buying plots of land, board eight, yacht club, whatever nonsense they're participating in, right? They make excuses. They blame Ethereum. Oh, we're stuck on Ethereum. We're building out Ape Yacht Club. We're building out plots of land. Uh, 40,000 in ETH to burn two NFTs. What are we doing? I, I mean, like I said two days ago, I don't think I've ever paid Ethereum gas fees, and I never will. That's why I haven't participated in the NFT space. Did I miss money? I probably did. I did miss some money. All these other guys were shilling the NFT projects. Whether they made money on the NFTs or not didn't matter because they were getting paid tens of thousands of dollars to push these NFT projects on you guys. But uh, did they add any value to the world? No. No. So when I look back, I feel good. Yeah, I didn't make tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars being a shill, participating in this bullshit. But I know that I didn't waste time. I didn't waste space here in the cryptocurrency space, in this ecosystem, in, in the world of business and capitalism. I didn't waste space. I didn't waste people's time, energy, and value. Because that's what this is. This is, an, this is a joke. What are you guys doing? Buying plots of land, paying tens of thousands of dollars for minting two NFTs. You got ApeCoin. You got .eth in your Twitter handle. What in some stupid profile picture. You, you guys are clowns. You guys are an embarrassment to the cryptocurrency space, to the business and investing world, to anyone serious who's actually trying to get something done. You guys are all a joke. All of it. Let's continue on, take a look here at the real estate market. The UK is considering resurrecting the right to buy for home renters, according to the Telegraph. I've never heard of this. 
I didn't know that this was something that had happened in the past. The UK is considering resurrecting the right to buy for home renters. So, so I don't even know what program this is. The real estate situation is getting absolutely brutal. I do not think that this is going to be the answer. This is just like with rent controls, right? Rent controls don't work either. And you're already seeing that in major cities. You take away the incentive for people to buy and improve properties because they, you know, can't raise their rents, right? You got, you got caps on raising your rents. When they, when the government gets in the way, this is just a classic story. When government gets in the way, it's inefficient at best, and it's an absolute disaster and they ruin it at worst. So this is what the most recent thing that the UK is considering, a right to buy for home renters. I'm going to have to look into that further and see what that means, but I think it means what we think it means, that it's very simply, uh, I don't know, if you've lived in the house for a few years, you have a right to buy it. We're going to force landlords to give up their property against their will. The socialists are moving in. The communists are moving in as this whole system falls apart. This is a battle between two sides here. The people who are trying to restore free market capitalism and the socialist communists who want to move in, buy up all the assets, force you out of the few assets that you own, raise inflation so that you can't even feed your family and you're going to own nothing and be happy just like they tell you with the World Economic Forum. Own nothing, be happy, be a peasant. Live in the metaverse and buy an ape coin and flip garbage NFTs. Okay, let's check out this tweet. If you think construction prices rising 28% last year was bad, starting today, May 1st, 2022, construction trades are on strike to renegotiate wage increases, framing, hardwood, and carpet installers. That's not all. Plumbers, pipe fitters, and welders looming this, this week to strike as well. So uh, I think that this is just in Canada because this guy says, for weekly insights into the Canadian commercial real estate market, follow me, Jeremiah Seamus. Uh, so this looks like this is taking place in Canada because um, I, I don't know. We don't really, I mean, we do have some, I guess we do have our unions and stuff. Our trade, trade unions are, you know, we do have those down here as well. I haven't seen them going on strike, but maybe this is just in Canada. But we already have the construction prices that raised 28% from last year. Now we have these guys going on strike and the supply chain crisis is only getting worse. And then we have the Fed raising interest rates. So now your mortgage is going to cost you twice as much. Okay, this post here from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hot housing prices may cool amid rising mortgage rates. So... Uh, I want to go through this article. He's talking about the nationwide medium, median price for an existing home. That sold last month was 400,000. So we covered this, right? The median price in America for a house last month was $400,000. I will tell you right now that in, in my area for 400 grand, you will get a shack on a piece of dirt, um, at best for 400 grand. That's up more than 50,000 or 15% from a year ago and 220,000 or 130% from a decade ago. So just 10 years ago, what well, would that put the average price there? Um, only, only 200,000. 
right? Just over 200,000. Or no, sorry, that'd be 180. Sorry. Sorry, let me check my math here. 180,000 would have been the median home price just a decade ago. They are even more outsized when you consider that the typical first-time home buyer puts up a down payment equal to only about 10% of the home's purchase price. If you were that home buyer a decade ago, the annualized return on the home investment today would be an eye-popping 37%. Your investment would have increased by more than one-third each year on average for 10 years. So you guys that have been in the market, you guys have had it good so far. But uh, we need to take a look at this because this is where this story ends. But housing salad days are over. House prices will be lucky to hold their own for the next few years. What changed? The answer is mortgage rates. They have risen a lot in recent weeks. 30-year fixed mortgage rates surged to more than 5.25%, up from 3%, as recently as the start of the year. They were down 5.1% in Thursday's weekly report. For much of last year, rates consistently hit new record lows well below 3%. So it's nearly twice as much uh, to get the same mortgage, right? It's going to cost you twice as much when you go to borrow and get this mortgage. At at the current mortgage rate and house price, the monthly mortgage payment is more than $1,700. That's $500 more than a month, or sorry, that's $500 more a month than a year ago. Almost $1,000 more than a decade ago in today's dollars. So for that average house, you're now paying $1,000 more per month. And this is why, I, I mean, I know a lot of people, right? That uh, like, like my parents' generation, they all have mortgage payments that are less than $1,000. Mortgage payments, right? I mean, unbelievable. My, I mean, I, I can't even find a place for rent less than $2,000 a month in my area right now. It's not an absolute shack dump. It's uh, pretty brutal. Even, even the small apartments, 1,700, 1,800 bucks a month. So, but, but I do want to, I do want to finish this off. He says, of course, talk of house price declines conjures up the nightmare of bursting housing bubble and financial crisis more than a decade ago. That's not what's going to happen this go around. The crash occurred in no small part due to the egregious mortgage lending and inherently unfordable loan products that drove housing demand during the, during the bubble. Remember these Remember those two-year subprime exploding adjustable rate mortgages. Mortgage defaults and foreclosure sales at significantly discount prices surged when the market crashed back then. Uh, so, so it's gotten a little bit better. It's gotten a little bit better, but we still had a bunch of people going to five-year adjustable rate mortgages. So it didn't get quite as crazy as it did last bubble. But this time around, we have, as I showed you guys earlier, margin debt at an all-time high, nearly $1 trillion in margin debt. On top of all the other issues that we have in, in the overall economic situation. So although the housing market might not crash as much, I still believe that we're going to see some opportunities coming in for the real estate market. Um, e even if it just cools down a little bit and it doesn't get quite so crazy. Like, you know, a millennial like myself can actually like buy a house 
without getting bid out by some Californian coming in with cash and outbidding us. Like, I mean, it's the same story across the country, right? So um, right now I'm positioning myself here for, for the real estate squeeze coming up, looking to pounce on the opportunities. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about this a lot more recently. This real estate market's popping, stock bubble popping, cryptocurrency market popping. It's just a matter of how bad are they going to crash. So I think the real estate's going to, you know, crash. Maybe, maybe uh, even a ten or a twenty percent drop would be pretty significant. Stock market, I think we could see twenty to fifty percent. We've already seen that in the tech tech stocks. Netflix got wrecked. Um, Coinbase, I think, is down over 70, 80%. So some of these high-flying speculative stocks have dropped 50 to 70%. And then with the cryptocurrency market, we're looking at about a 70 to 90% drop. And from the all-time highs of last year, we've already dropped down about 70, 80% for a lot of the cryptos. But there's no stopping us from going down another 25 to 50% from here. So be ready. Be ready, guys. When we look at all these markets, they're all being affected right now. This is a systemic across the board crisis this time back in 08 right it was really just the housing market and then a couple of banks went bust and they were able to bail them out in 2020 the whole world went bust everyone had to get bailed out but now that story's coming to coming to an end the punch bowl's not getting filled up anymore with that being said let's take a look at the markets right now so the market was back up two percent today Bitcoin about 38k on the weekly close. Ethereum at 2800 and XRP at 60 62 cents, okay? Incredible opportunities to load up on these coins, but there's no telling how much lower we're going to go during this bear market. Right now, uh the weekly close came in at about 38k. Yeah, about 38.5. This is the weekly chart here. Let me make sure you guys can see this chart. 38K. And so a, a new mar market cycle um, high did not come in like we were expecting. We thought for this new moon, April 30th, around the beginning of this month here, that we were going to be reaching out for a new high, just as we typically do before we came back down. That was not the case, right? They, they liquidated us once again uh, over the last couple days, over $300 million liquidated from the cryptocurrency market. So we need to be careful right now. Um, put, like I said earlier in this stream, I don't have to change up my strategies. I don't have to change up my bag. I don't have to sell any of my cryptos because I'm worried about what's gonna happen to them. Um, I'm, I'm willing to ride down all of my cryptos um, another 50% if that's what it has to be. I mean, if I, I, I've seen multiple people and some of them are trolls. Some of them are serious about XRP going down to the 30 cent level. I mean, I don't even care. It, it just, we'll just back up the truck, right? We'll just back up the truck and we'll just continue to load up. So here's the weekly chart for XRP closing in above 60 cents. The 60 cent iron wall has been a level going back um, years now. And so that's good to see that we're holding the 60 cent iron wall. We'll see what happens next, guys. Um, it's not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking good. I told you guys coming into this back-to-back -back eclipses that the energy would be big. I didn't know which way we were going to go. Were we going to go up? Were we going to go down? Didn't know. I knew that it was going to be a drastic move. Regardless... 
and it does look like, uh, well, we did come down. <laughs> we did come down. The full moon, uh, from the full moon here over the last couple of weeks, we have came down substantially, right? But that's all right. Gives us time to accumulate. Gives us time to focus on our business, focus on our real estate strategies. We've been taking action every day on a daily basis, and I encourage you guys to do the same thing. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in, and all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.